in our series, new series, On Earth as it is in heaven. Because we, when Jesus gave us a model prayer, he asked us to pray. He told us. It was a mandate before he left to pray this way, on earth as it is in heaven. And so he's asking us to perceive life in such a way and pray in such a way that we are experiencing life on earth as it is in heaven. And all through scripture, he's giving us heaven, and and through writers, the Holy Spirit is giving us pictures, glimpses of heavenly lifestyle. What it feels like, what it looks like to live from eternity, from eternal perspective, all throughout scripture, from, from Genesis to Revelation, it's all right there. And God, with his wisdom, extracts principles that he put into place for his kingdom, his universe, to abide by. That's a lot right there. It's a deep thing. But we're going we're to break this down over this eight weeks. But the thing that we want to focus on throughout this, because if we focus right here on the simplicities of the line which God draws for us, the rest becomes revelatory. We begin to understand the ways and the workings of God and his word. And so his desire is that we are carrying his presence wherever we go. I think that's his greatest desire, that we are carrying his presence wherever we go. And so obviously today we're gonna talk about his presence. And in doing so, I'm gonna slowly, methodically break down scripture. I'm gonna rightly divide the word of God, which is what scripture tells us to do, correct? Yes, it tells us to rightly divide the word of God. And so we're gonna take some things that we kind of clump together, we're gonna break them down in bite-sized pieces so that we can understand how we as God's children are actually supposed to live out this life. And so when we're talking about presence, there's three versions of this and there's three ideas that we clump together, but we have to break down in order to understand the fullness of what God has called us to do. And one of those is omnipresence. When we're talking about presence, omnipresence. There's inner presence and then there's manifest presence. These are the three things that we see throughout scripture. So omnipresence is God's, God's spirit is over the whole earth. His, his presence is everywhere. It means, omni means all, everywhere. So whenever he created the earth in Genesis, it says, scripture says his spirit hovered above the earth, forming it. And so it's still the same. He is omnipresent. But then there is the inner presence. Remember, Jesus says, uh, I was with you, but he who I'm going to send, the Holy Spirit, he will be within you, within you. So there's the inner presence of God. There's two. And then we have the manifest presence. And this is the revealed manifest just simply means to be made known. There's, there is the made known presence of God that he desires that we carry and experience often. So I want to give you some omnipresence uh, description in Psalms 139.7. He says, where can I go from your, pres- your spirit? Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? Now, that's a very interesting, if you're just kind of reading lightly through the word of God, you just kind of skip through that. You're just kind of wondering, well, there's nowhere I can go. But let's break that down a little bit because let's, let's put other scriptures together with this and figure out, well, where can we go? Can we go anywhere? Can we not? Well, let's see what the word of God says because that's where we get our definitions for everything. The word of God defines the word of God. And so we're focusing on two things. One is the manifest presence of God and the other is worship. 
And we will see how important worship is for us to experience the made known or the revealed presence of God. So how many, how many were at the worship night? We just had Friday night. We had a worship night. Show of hands. There's several people here. Yes. Yes. Thank you. One guy is really excited about it. And so you came in and then, you know, it's kind of, uh, who, let me just say it this way. Who felt the presence of God? It was a little slow, the first two songs. You know, people are kind of lethargic coming out like, mm, what am I here for? Oh, I'm here to worship. But whenever they say, I felt the presence of God, but his presence was already here. What was taking place was as they pressed in to worship, they felt the presence of God, meaning God responded to the act of faithfulness and he manifested himself to each individual who was worshiping him. He was already here. But whenever we begin to enter into worship, God responds from the throne room and manifests himself. He reveals himself. He made himself known to them, to us, so we felt his presence. How many this morning felt the presence of God? And all the same. As you come in and pursue him and worship, as you worship him, you begin to feel God. Well, that's not his omnipresence. That's his manifest presence. And I'm going to show you how that works throughout this, this service right here. So what we're going to challenge is, can you live with and walk in the manifest presence of God every day? And I'm going to, I, I believe we can. I believe we can. This year after COVID, life has become busy. It feels like there's a rat race for everyone to catch up from lost time from last year, yesteryear. And, and I'm, I'm guilty. I had quit spending time in worship with my, in my private time with the Lord. And I could feel the effects of it. I still read in the morning. And on occasions I journal. I don't even journal as much as I was. And I can see the dates because I date the days that I put a journal entry. I'm like, dang, it's been a long time since I visited here. And I can feel the effects of it. So through the recognition of that, I was convicted by the Holy Spirit to begin to worship him, to draw this thing out. So here this year, some months ago, I'm not sure when, we started worshiping on Tuesdays before we go into staff meeting. Why? Because we want to be in the manifest presence of God before we go in and make business decisions. Where, where else would our wisdom come from? It has to come from above. We need the manifest presence to carry into our decision-making processes. So uh, we began worshiping every Tuesday. When I'm, when I'm on my tractor, I listen to worship music now. And I'm going I'm to tell you some of the things of why I do that uh, when, towards the end of this. But I read my Bible every morning. I'm in the Word, and I'm spending time with God. But the practice of worshiping God had slipped me because of the busyness of my schedule. And many of us have grown to have this fast food style devotion time with the Lord. And the effects are manifesting in our life's decisions, our life's circumstances, our heart's attitudes. Because you're manifesting. I know because I was manifesting. 
but it's me. It's us. It's the nature of us that's being shaken through this time of purification because God is trying to unearth some beauty, some things that he wants to move with going forward because he wants to manifest his presence in our lives and give us direction to follow. Let me, I'm gonna track with me, just hang on. So when I do, I know, when I begin to worship God in my, in my private time, in my quiet time, there's been nights when I've had to go to bed worshiping, listening to worship music. There's, there's turmoil in my heart and in my mind, but I put on some Jen Johnson or whoever it is, and I just hit that thing and just let it play. And I just, off to sleep, off to sleep. So we're talking about today his manifest presence. And point number one, his manifest presence. And what started this whole thing was when he, we, we were walking and talking, Adam and Eve were walking and talking in the garden with God, right? And, and whenever they sang that song, I've got to say it, they say that song, I didn't know they were going to sing it, and, and he walks with me, and he talks with me. It reminds me of the joke, and you know, these two, these guys are sitting around and, and asking, hey, do you know the names of God? They're challenging each other because they want to be spiritual. And he goes, oh yeah, Jehovah Jireh, Jehovah Rapha, uh, Yeshua. And one guy goes, Andy? Andy? Yeah. Andy walks with me, and he talks with me. <laughs> Yeah, thank you. Thank you. Keelan, you're going to get it. You're going to get it in a minute. You're going to get it. It's going to like, you're going to be driving Christy home and it's going to download and you're just going to bust out laughing. Watch. Andy walks with me. Andy talks with me. But what did we lose in the garden with Adam and Eve? And what did Jesus come to restore? God's manifest presence in our life. Genesis 3.8, let's take a look. And they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. Sin always does this. Sin always tries to cause us to hide ourselves from the presence of the Lord, even in worship. You see, because what happens is we come in and that whisperer starts to, starts to whisper in our ear and says, hey, you know what you did this week. You know what you didn't do this week? You know you didn't worship during the week. Why are you going to come in here and worship, you hypocrite? You know how I know? Because I used to hear that voice. That voice used to have space in this real estate right here. And he shames us and he condemns us and he keeps us from being in all-out worship to our heavenly Father because he knows the moment that you do, you begin to experience the manifest presence of God. And when there's the manifest presence of God in your life, then change begins to take place. Revelation happens. Freedom is in, is in this space. It takes, takes heart inside of your soul. And when that happens, it moves the real estate space for the enemy out. So why wouldn't there be spiritual warfare when it comes to aspects of worship? Why wouldn't there be spiritual warfare to keep you from church. 
And because of the blood of Jesus, Scripture says, that no matter if we had done something wrong or we didn't do something we knew we should have done or we're right in line with God, no matter the circumstances, it's all a flat line because he says that we can boldly come into the throne room of grace to receive mercy in our times of need. And I don't care how close you are to the Lord, you still have times of need. And it may be that because you blew it, even more so, I need to come in and receive mercy because I'm in great need. So all the more so, I need to, become, I need to come in with all-out worship towards my heavenly Father. Because I need, I have needs of what takes place in his manifest presence. So Adam and Eve hid themselves from the presence of God. So this, this can't be talking about the omnipresence because the omnipresence is everywhere. Therefore, you cannot hide from omnipresence because God is everywhere. We can hide or how can we hide from the manifest presence? They were hiding from his presence where he was revealing himself or making himself known. That's his manifest presence. They hid themselves. Look, let's look at another example before we go too far. Exodus 33, 14 and 15 says, and he said, this is God speaking, my presence will go with you and I will give you rest. By the way, you know that you're walking with the manifest presence of God because no matter what the journey looks like, you feel at rest. That's a good indicator. Verse 15, then he said to him, if your presence, this is Moses speaking back. They were speaking face to face. They were speaking as friends talk to one another. They were speaking as we might speak out into the entryway. Then he said to him, if your presence does not go with us, do not bring us up from here. He goes, if your presence is not going with me, I'm out. I'm not going. So how can his omnipresence be everywhere, but yet he is saying, if your presence doesn't go with us, I'm not going. We need to think about these scenarios. How can God's presence go with him? And how could it not go with him? We have to divide what God is saying so we can clearly understand the fullness of what his word says. It's obvious that Moses is not referring to God's omnipresence. And it's obvious that God was not referring to his omnipresence. He's referring to his manifest presence where he is revealed and he is made known. And one way he was doing that was a fire by night and a cloud by day. But another way he was doing that was speaking to Moses. Moses was hearing the voice of God. And God desires to walk with us on a daily basis as he did with Adam and Eve and has, as he was doing with the children of Israel. Moses said, if you don't go with us, I don't want to go. Moses' heart was so submitted to the voice of the Lord that he knew there was nothing but chaos outside of the manifest presence of God. I don't want, I don't, I don't want no part of that. When we come to church and worship God or we enter into a quiet time, God wants to make his presence known in your life and do something that no one else in your life could ever do. 
God's omnipresence is everywhere, but his manifest presence shows up to do things with you that reveals more of his existence, more of his power, and more of his intimacy, not only in you, but also through you. And this is why God wants us to be carriers of his manifest presence. Let's talk about number two. I'm gonna give you number three. It's gonna be a little more uplifting, but I I really wanna give you, hey, beware. Number two, leaving his presence. Is it possible to leave the presence of God? It's not possible to leave the omnipresence of God, but it is possible to leave the manifest presence of God. We read Genesis 3, but let's take a look at Genesis chapter 4. Now, Cain has just murdered Abel, and then notice what it says. Genesis 4, 16. Then Cain went out from the presence of the Lord and dwelt in the land of Nod on the east of Eden. And this is what happens whenever you begin to go out from the manifest presence of the Lord. You get all lethargic and tired. You're like, oh, I'm just so exhausted. I just want to nod off. <laughs> Come on, guys, wake up. You're nodding off already. You've already left the manifest presence of God. We need to worship. Worship team, just come back on up here. We're just going to worship on out of here. Nodding off. So how can you go out from the presence of, the God, of God if he is everywhere? You cannot go out from the omnipresence, but you can definitely leave the manifest presence of God. Let's look at Jonah 1, 1 through 3. It says this, the word of God, the word of the Lord came to Jonah, son of Amittai, go to the great city of Nineveh and preach against it because its wickedness has come up before me. But Jonah ran from the Lord and headed to Tarshish. Wait a minute. God's everywhere. But Jonah ran from the Lord. He heard the voice of the Lord. The Lord told him, do this thing. Jonah decided, no, I'm going to do my own thing. Maybe that makes a little more sense to you. He went down to Joppa where he found a ship bound for that port. After paying the fare, he went aboard and sailed for Tarshish to flee from the Lord. He wasn't fleeing from the omnipresence. He was running, clearly running from the manifest presence of God. Well, how do you flee from the manifest presence of God? It's actually very simple. You don't do what God told you to do. Because God's manifest presence for your life is going in a direction that will guide you towards his will for your life. And for as long as you're walking in his will for your life, you are feeling the manifest presence of God. And the moment you stop doing what God is asking you to do, you are choosing, whether you're standing still or you're going your own direction, you're choosing to leave the manifest presence of God. Therefore, we are discontent because we haven't found purpose because we're not walking in the will of God for our lives. Oh, it's really good. Because so many pray, Lord, what is your will? Lord, what do you want me to do? What do you want me to do? Oh, that's too tough. Mm-mm. What else would you like for me to do? Mm-mm. What else could I possibly do? I'm just going to go to church. He told Adam 
and Eve not to eat from the tree of knowledge of good and evil. They ate from the tree and they went to hide themselves from the presence of God. They eventually then were removed from the, from the garden altogether. Okay, if you're not going to do my will, I'll just get to find somebody else to do it. And then their son Cain, God told Cain to deal with his attitude because his offering was not accepted. And Cain didn't deal with his attitude. Instead, he went and killed his brother. And so he leaves the presence of God. God ever told you to deal with your attitude? In Jonah's case, the manifest presence that Jonah was fleeing from, the, was, the, from was the Lord's will and call on Jonah's life. He was fleeing. The Lord told him to do something. He said, mm, I'm going to go this way. He was leaving the manifest presence of God. Obedience and doing the will of the Father are two, two, two uh, of the same thing. Obedience is not a bad word, but it generally promotes a stigma, a, a, a place in our heart that says, mm, no. I mean, immediately before, let's just say, I, you knew what I was going to say next, and I said the word obedience, all of a sudden there's this shell that comes up, and there's this wall that comes up and says, mm, whatever you say next, I'm not doing it. Obedience. I'm not a dog. But if I say, listen, out of act of obedience, those of you who like ice cream, would you eat a Klondike bar? Nope. Mm -mm. I don't know what you just said, but I'm just not doing it because you said obedience. I'm shut down, but I love Klondike bars, my favorite. Like when you say that word, all of a sudden, generally, you know why? Because generally obedience, doing what the word of God says, it goes against the nature of our flesh. And so if we can just disarm that word and just say, doing what God says, if we just do what God says, we ended last year by talking about and understanding and receiving the Holy Spirit. And when we receive, you begin to hear the Holy Spirit. In our Freedom Conference, people began to hear from the Holy Spirit. He was encouraging us to do things. Many were doing those things and finding freedom, myself included. Now, we went through a series talking about uh, many things, stewardship, tithing, giving, uh, serving. Uh, we talked about uh, even not doing certain things as I ended kind of with a farewell, just reminding, hey, there's some things that God tells us also not to do that believers tend to do. You know, I had, I had a lot of, thank, more, probably more thank yous for that message two weeks ago than I have for any message series in the last six months, six to eight months. And I had a few, I can't believe it. I thought you were talking directly to me. And I just, I just laugh at those. I wouldn't, but maybe the Holy Spirit was. But what I am excited about is those who really were thankful for an admon admonition, I can see there's, there's a heart that wants to grow in faithfulness, that wants to go to another level spiritually. That was so encouraging to me because that was a very difficult message for me to deliver because I know how it can be. I know how it can feel. But we talked about these things. And so you may, because you may be in that place where, man, I just don't know if I've heard God. But maybe we were in that one of those message series and God told you to start tithing. He said, no, I'm not going to do it. Or maybe God told you to start tithing. You did it a couple of times. 
and you walk away from the manifest presence of God. Maybe God told you, listen, I want you to go pray for so-and-so and such-and-such -and -such at such a time as this. No, 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 wait a minute. No way, because if I do that, it's going to feel really awkward, God. And in your heart, you're having this battle because that, that, then it's going to feel, you know, there's, there's so much conflict around that. What if it doesn't happen? What if you really don't do? Maybe that's not you, Lord. Maybe, you know, it's, it's just me. And I Walking away from the manifest presence of God. Maybe God told you, hey, that, that relationship's not for you, and you need to put an end to it, but you didn't, and you stayed in it. Walking away from the manifest presence of God. But I feel so distant I feel so far from God, walking away from the manifest presence of God or not doing what God said to do. Where can I meet God? On the last place that he told you direction to take. So often we're like Jonah, God told me to do this, but no, I think, I think I'll do a better version. I think this version would work better for my scenario. Anybody ever done that? If God spoke to you about doing something, when we do it, the will of God is in that direction and his power begins to make things happen in front of us that we could not logically understand, interpret, or even guess that would begin to happen. And that is a walk called faith and it causes us to walk in his and carry his manifest presence because it's no longer us who's doing it, but it's him who's doing it in front of us. And as long as we stay in tune with his voice, he will continue to do those things in front of us. And all the while, he is taking us through internal conflict, which is just selfishness and self-thought and self-worry and fear and anxiety, he's removing those things so that we can walk in more of his fullness and carry more of his glory. This is how, when scripture says that he's taking us from glory to glory, this is how he does it. But he meets us at our response. He does not force us. So when God says to do something and you don't do it, then you are choosing disobedience or to walk away from the manifest presence of God. Now, it's, it's, we all make mistakes. We're all human. Listen, sometimes we miss it and we just, we just don't do it. That, that, is a, that is a mistake. That is not dis disobedience. What we're talking about here is willful disobedience. I heard the Lord, nope. I heard the Lord, I got a better way. Willful disobedience. Let me give you an example. Let's say my wife, Allie, calls me. She says, hey, Nathan, on your way home from today, go by Brookshire's and pick up some bread, please. We're out. We need some more, and your kids and my daddy need some. And so I say, yeah, absolutely, no problem. And I'm going to Brookshire's, and my intention of my heart is to go and do that thing. I get another call from someone here, and it's like, oh, there's an emergency. My attention is now focused on that emergency. I drive right by Brookshire's, and I, I'm, I'm arriving at home. Hey, where's the bread? And I'm like, oh, shoot, accident, Right? But then there's that other part that says, as soon as she says it, I'm thinking, oh, I've got too many things to do. Why can't that woman get out and get her own bread? And she, what else is she doing anyway? Willful disobedience. <laughs> who pays for that when they get home? But, <laughs> but who pays for that when they don't do what God is asking them to do? Allie and I, when we first planted this church, you know, we've, we've, we're open about our lives. We need to be so that you can realize that, hey, people aren't perfect, but God is. 
And he's got a lot of imperfect children that he's wanting to bring, to he- bring healing towards. And so in the beginning of our marriage, it was a rough year. We got, went through marriage counseling, got through that. Well, when we planted this church, um, we, we went to see a voluntary ma- a marriage counseling. Um, and by the way, that's what starting a church does for you. It causes a need for marriage counseling. And moreover, big decisions and big changes in life bring, they unearth, they bring to the surface some things that have yet to be worked through. And so it helps to have somebody moderate and and bounce things off of so that you're not in constant conflict with one another. So counseling is good. But in there, in that, I, I discovered when through one of our conversations, it was like we would have date nights and all of a sudden things, and things were great. And then all of a sudden, out of nowhere on the way home, it's like there's this irrational argument that made no sense to me. And so we talk about that. We talk about those scenarios and Allie would say, she said this. She said, Nathan, the problem, problem is you don't mind correcting me on a few things I do wrong but you don't compliment me or recognize me for the 10 things I do right. Hmm. Dang. That's harsh. And so after hearing that and hearing the heart behind that and being convicted by the reality of that and the spirit that really, imagine what that does to her, I started making less verbal notes of the things that I see doing wrong. Now, I still see them. It doesn't mean mean I'm oblivious to them, but I just don't recognize them verbally like I did before. Do you know why? Because I would rather experience the fullness of her joy when I'm in her presence than I would the experience of that irrational argument at the end of a great date night. That's wisdom. Let me tell you, say it this way. You can be in the house with someone in their presence, but you're not in their presence. You can be in a relationship or in, in, in the house with your spouse. They're there, but they're not there. You can come to church. You can be, you can read the word of God. He's there, but you're not experiencing the fullness of who he is there. He meets us in response to our action. We've settled for a logical understanding of his omnipresence, and we've looked over the fact that he is waiting for a response from us to manifest his presence. And that's where change begins to happen. And that's why you see lives begin to shift. And that's where you see testimony begin to come out because people grab a hold of that, they focus in, they press in, and they start listening to the word of God. And he manifests his presence on that life. It is good. Number three is this, entering his presence. Let's talk about entering his presence. And one way to enter is through worship. Time and time again, God tells us, listen, it's gonna be my way. Here's how you enter into my presence. Psalm 95, one and two says, oh, come, let us sing to the Lord. Let us shout joyfully to the rock of our salvation. 
So he's telling us, here's how you can get into my presence. Come in and sing. What I notice he doesn't say is come in during the third worship song so that you can just make it through the last worship song so that you can be there for the message. Mmm, dang. I mean, no one, I'm not picking anybody out. Psalm 101 and 2 says, Make a joyful shout to the Lord, all you lands. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before his presence with singing. How do I come before his presence? Well, it takes a response from me first to begin to sing and worship him. And when I do, his presence, his manifest presence begins to enact in my life. And that's why you see some raise their hands that they experienced. They felt the presence of God in this place, yet not everybody did. We will see in this series that music and singing is much more important than you thought to enter into the presence of the Lord, to have a heart change, a life change, for your families to be changed, your finances to be changed, your mind to be changed, your whole heart to be shifted, for freedom to take place in your life, the things that even, the reason you even come to church to find and yet you might leave because you didn't find, but it's all because of the tension in that gap is I didn't press in to experience the manifest presence of God so that I could truly experience that change. This message is not gonna, no message from the platform is ever gonna experience the change. It's the voice of the Holy Spirit speaking to you, you grabbing it in your heart, letting it become soul change, which changes your mind and your actions and your behaviors, and now you become obedient, and that's when lives change. But it takes an initial response, an initial action for you to be met, for you to do and be met by the Holy Spirit for change to take place. We come in with praise and worship and adoration because he is the one. You don't have to be. We don't have to be. I'm not uh, musically inclined <laughs> to, work, to be a worshiper. But he is worthy of all out worship. Because of everything, if he has saved you from a life of torment and hell, oh, he's worthy to be worshiped. He's worthy to be adored. He's worthy to be praised. He's worthy for a sacrifice to be poured out at his feet. He is worthy. And sometimes, I don't know if you've ever heard this, and I've heard this statement before, man, you're, a, and you're, a jail, you're like a jailhouse singer. And when I've heard that, I thought, man, that's like Paul and Silas when they've, they've gotten arrested and the Holy Spirit is on them. They're moving the church forward and they're singing and praising and, and people, other prisoners are being affected by the worship that's taking place. It says they're singing psalms in the New Testament, in the, in the, in the, in the jail cell. And all of a sudden the earth shakes and chains, bondage, chains begin to fall off of prisoners and they're able to be freed. And I think, wow, that's what they mean when they say jailhouse singer, but it's not. They mean, no, you're behind a few bars and looking for a key. <laughs> that's funny. <laughs> but hopefully, that's what, that's what they would say about me. Hopefully, my inability has missed Nathan and Naomi, my little daughter that's up here. Because I see her and I hear her and she's in our house now because we prayed that she would be a worship leader whenever she grows up. That was our prayer since before she was in her mother's womb, that she would be a worship leader. We hear her singing from upstairs or from the other bedroom. And even right here during worship, she began to sing. And I'm thinking... 
boy, it doesn't sound good, but it sounds good. <laughs> and then I see like uh, Friday night, my son goes up and he's like, I want to be like George. I want to be a drummer. And he's up there, he's wanting to hit the drums and he can actually do this pretty good. He's two. And I'm like, yes, I'm celebrating and I'm encouraging the grace that's on their lives. That, that brings me joy. But you don't have to be musically inclined to be a worshiper. And Friday night, yes, that Friday morning, I invited a friend of mine who I knew had been going through a struggle to come in to worship. And he and his wife came in. And I was so glad that they did. And he, he told me after we prayed with him afterwards, and he said, man, I can feel the presence of God in this place. What you guys are doing is phenomenal. Attends another church. He says, it is amazing. What he wasn't saying is, man, you got some great singers. Though we do. What he was saying was, you guys were pressing in. He said, I, what he was doing was I, as he was pressing in. Now he came in on a walker. He came in having had us given a second chance in life. He died. He's paralyzed. His, his internal, internal organs shut down. Six months in the hospital, comes in, and for as much as he can stand up, he's praising the Lord. He sits down, he's praising the Lord. He gets it. He understands the blessing of being able to experience the manifest presence of God. And so God responded to his action and revealed his manifest self to this young man. He valued his second chance at life and chose to enter in through worship, enter into the presence of God. And those who raised their hands, who said they were here, and then they said that they felt the presence of God, we all, while pressing in together, were able to see and experience that the Lord is good, but it's his manifest presence that we experienced. And the principle here the biblical principle that you want to see is you will only receive so much as you're willing to honor. I want to be direct for a moment because some of you only enter into his presence once a week. And you come in on Sunday, two songs in, Maybe you're here at the beginning. And you think, wow, I'm gonna worship God here. And you think that that will help you carry his manifest presence through into the next week. And it doesn't. God is wanting to meet you on a daily basis as you go, being mindful of his presence heart being elevated in worship. I've had some difficult and trying moments over the last few months. Thank you, Lord, right? Rejoice in our trials. Thank you, Lord. But when I focus on the problem, then it begins to cause stress and anxiety and tension within me. And I can feel it. It's like my neck blows up like a frog. <laughs> 
I was on my tractor the other day, a couple weeks ago, I guess, and I felt the Lord say, just turn on some worship. I have my little phone, I got a little phone case thing, my tractor, put on Spotify, put on worship. And the moment that I did, peace, rest, joy began to enter in. And I made a mental note of, wow, the moment I pressed play out of doing what God said to do and entering into worship. I'm on my tractor, but I'm in his presence and I'm experiencing his manifest presence. All gone. And in the midst of that, God says, Nathan, I'm taking care of it. You ever been in that place where you you hear from God and, and your chest just opens up and it's like just free space all over? And that was a feeling. Free space. Thank you, Lord. Because when the, when the Father says it, oh, he'll do it. You can take that to the bank. Psalms, 1, Psalms 16 11 says, you will show me the path of life. In your presence is fullness of joy. Oh, I feel so weak. I feel so exhausted. I feel so drained. The joy of the Lord is your strength. In his presence, his manifest presence, is the fullness of your strength. Joy. I need the manifest presence of life on my life. At your right hand, pleasures. I want to be at his right hand. I want to be walking in the fullness of what God has for me. Why would I Jonah up and choose my own way? I'm going to get, I'm going to get there. Why don't I just go his way? I just want to pray for you because I know right now the Holy Spirit is speaking. And as I always do, I just want to ask you, what is the Holy Spirit saying to you? Because as you even engage in asking him that question, that is an act of faith towards him. And he manifests his presence by speaking through many avenues. Maybe you start to feel something different. Maybe you start to see some things in your mind's eye. Maybe you truly hear his voice. Maybe there's an emotion connected. You might start to feel a little warm or cold. Maybe you start to sh- you're shaking a little bit. Holy Spirit, what are you saying to me? Maybe he takes your mind into a direction. You're like, where are we going? It's good to go there because you're experiencing his manifest presence in your life. And the more you follow him where he's going, the more he's gonna manifest his presence and give you greater revelation of what he wants to do in you, to you, and through you.
Our prayer team is out up here. If you need prayer for anything, I want to encourage you to come forward. Don't leave here burdened. Maybe you have trouble hearing God. Well, let them pray for you in agreement to help you hear from God. Maybe God is looking for someone and he keeps having this. Father, we just ask that your spirit just fall upon all of us. Help us to understand and not settle for your omnipresence, but learn to discern and carry and be closely knit and in tune with your manifest presence. Father, help us to truly be world changers, not by self-will, but by thy will. And Father, thank you for your patience with us as we learn to be children who are willing to do what you say. Father, I'm sorry that we have to challenge your authority, your word, your spirit, in order to come to a place to finally trusting you when all of our efforts, all of our resources are spent, all of our ends become dead and there's nothing left except to, to follow you. Please forgive us for having such a hard attitude as this. So come Holy Spirit and have your way. And please release your empowering grace. And we exterminate every lie of the enemy that says we are not worthy. That says, how dare you come in and worship a holy God? That says, what makes you think that he would ever care about you? That says, you'll never be able to hear him because you've got too much of your own stuff going on. And I just bind up every voice that is conflicting with the word of God in this house right now in Jesus' name. And I command it to go, to flee, to never return, to go back to hell where it was sent, from where it was sent. And I just loose a spirit of freedom, joy, peace, contentment, of unity, of love, openness, transparency, and commitment in this house and this people. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen.